how are you now? Oof. Dare I ask? <laughs> Oof. Your Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 4-2 to two to the Dallas Stars. Um, not that they're a bad team or anything, but hello and welcome to episode 34. 34? No, I think it's more than 34 at this point. No, it is, in fact, episode 34 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I am pissed, pissed off. I'm pissed off. I mean, just a complete lackluster effort by the Montreal Canadiens. That was, it's one thing to lose games. It's one thing, you know, I said it, I have said it hundreds of times this season. Losing is fine. You know, looking that bad while doing it is a complete different thing. Um, So I guess let's get into the recap. Let's get that over with. Um, nobody wants to drag that on too long. Um, it wasn't that bad of a start for the Habs, honestly. They didn't look too bad. Um, pretty, I, I would say it was a good start. Good, right? Not great, good. And early in the first period, they get a break. They get a power play. And the power play has been pretty terrible this season, but it happens to work for them this time. Jake Evans gets a nice pass from Michael Pizzetta into the slot. Yeah. Say what you will about the fact that those two guys are on the power play for the Montreal Canadiens um, this season, but they are. And um, Jake Evans goes into the slot, really nice move, takes it back to the forehand and tucks it in and makes it one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. A relatively even period compared to the rest of the periods. But, you know, the Habs go to the end of 20 minutes with a lead, and that's the important thing. And early in the second period, they would add to it. Michael Pizzetta, again, he gets a two-on-one, and he elects to keep and shoot and snipe and make it 2 nothing in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. What is he, Cole Caulfield? Come on now. Unsustainable. And of course, it's not going to be long-lived when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, just about midway past, well, past midway the, uh, in the second period, uh, the Stars get a power play. And, of course, they have a very good power play compared to the Habs. Habs already have a goal on the power play, so you know that the Stars are probably going to score on one of theirs. And, of course, they do. Jason Robertson throws it in front. Uh, Rope Hints, I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm not entirely positive. But Rope Hints, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Patrick, if you're listening, I'm sure you will. He makes it 2-1. to one. Gets the stars back in this game. And that's our score at the end of 40 minutes. You've got to feel pretty damn good about that if you're the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, through 40 minutes, they were not the better team. There's no shot that they should be leading 2-1. to one. This was very much, you know, Jake Allen making some key saves. Not very many big saves, but key saves. And aside from that, you were opportunistic a little bit. We go into the third period. Mike Hoffman takes an early high-sticking penalty. And this feels like, you know, it it, it kind of has to be the turning point of the game. It wasn't a great call, but it was a call. And you, you knew it. As, as soon as they called it, you knew that, that a goal was going to come for the Stars. And, of course, it does. Ro- Rope hints again. This time he is shooting in the high slot and... Um, 
it it just kind of there's there's traffic in front of the net and it goes through and it, it gets in and I'm not too sure. I don't think Jake Allen even saw it. And it's two two. Rope hints absolutely murdering the Canadians. Two uh, two, and now Dallas has come for full circle. They are in complete control of this game at this point. It's not even close. Uh, they're getting way better scoring chances. They are dominating possession. They are getting. I, I'm scared to even go look at the stats. I feel like it was probably somewhere around 90% of the shot attempts in that period. Maybe it was less. I don't know. I can go check. Let's take a look. I was wrong. It was only 63%. It wasn't that bad. Hmm. Who knew? I'm a dumbass. But at the end of the day, they got dominated in that period. And it wasn't at all surprising that, of course, later on in that period, the officiating starts to get a little bit suspect. Uh, we get a tripping call on Michael Pizzetta. Um, really, it was just a case of, you know, I forget who it was. Whoever he was trying to go hit was trying to avoid the contact, and it, it looked like a trip, so they called it a trip. I'm not too mad about the officials on that one, but uh, I felt like it was pretty soft. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, the Stars, again, have a good power play. Wyatt Johnson in the high slot takes a shot, doesn't go, but the rebound comes right back to him, and he puts it in and makes it 3-2 to two for the Stars. And that was all she wrote. The Habs would pull Jake Allen and get the extra attacker, but Yoel Kiviranta gets an empty net goal. That's a fun name to say. Kiviranta gets an empty net goal. 4-2. to two. That's your final. <sighs> Ugly one, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. Not a good look. Um, <laughs> I struggle to give you a silver lining of the night on this one. But you know what? This is the bottom six minutes podcast. So I'm going to go with the bottom six in general. Jake Evans, Michael Pizzetta making contributions for this team. Um, unfortunately, they decided to throw those contributions into the lake. But um, overall, it was a pretty impressive night for the bottom six. Um, I felt like they, in large swaths, were the best that Montreal had to offer. Um, they didn't have a lot good to offer on that night, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this and giving them too much praise. But they contributed when they needed to and the biggest thing for this team so far this season that's been noticeable is that when the top line doesn't produce they tend to have a bad night this wasn't the case you know the top line didn't produce and they still managed to have a decent night I mean losing four to two to Dallas is not ideal but it's better than they deserved <laughs> Oof, it's hard to even say that for me I mean it, it's tough to watch this team right now maybe it's best for the uh for the rebuild you know they start losing games now it improves their eventual draft lottery position and potentially gets them a better pick i don't know um it's hard to say but right now like as i sit here it's tough to watch this team i mean again they decided to break out the line blender just to try and figure out how can we make our top line work without sacrificing the rest of our lines and again they managed to neuter the top line 
without improving any of the other lines except for one, and we'll get into it. Let's start with what was ostensibly the top line of the night. So the line that played uh, the second most minutes was Jonathan Drouin with Nick Suzuki and Yoel Armia. That line stunk. There was nothing good about it. They were run over at even strength. Uh, They barely generated anything in terms of scoring chances, and they gave up a lot of them. And it, it did not work at all, whatsoever. The most used line of the night, right above them, was Mike Hoffman with Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield. Not a combination that anybody would ever think to try. And wouldn't you guess, it was the best line for the Habs on that night. Yep. They actually controlled possession for the most part. Uh, They had the better scoring chances while they were on the ice. Uh, They were just better in every facet of the game versus the rest of the lines. I mean, it was night and day. Night and day. They tried a couple of other lines as well. They had Uri Slavkowski with Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson. Eh, that didn't work. They had Jonathan Drouin with Nick Suzuki and Anthony Richard. Eh, that didn't work. They had Michael Pizzetta with Jake Evans and Anthony Richard. That worked briefly. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Very briefly, but as the game went on, you know, I I feel like Dallas figured out last change and they knew who to get out when, and they were able to neutralize that line a little bit, but it it worked for a time, and they were also kind of your fourth line on the night. If If you look at all of the lines, they had the least amount of even strength ice time, so you could definitely call them the fourth trio, and it didn't really work. So you had one line that worked, and again, it just so happens to be the one that Kirby Doc is on. Every time you take Kirby Doc off of the top line, what happens? He makes that next line better, but it just it neuters your team at the top. Like your best line can't work. And then they made the weird decision of saying, well, not only are we going to take Doc off the line, we're also going to separate Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Now, I will say this. Cole Caulfield playing on a line with Doc at center, I don't mind that. I think it's honestly a smart thing for the team to try. Uh, But at the same time, that developing chemistry between Caulfield and Suzuki, I feel like it's very important for this team. I feel like it's extremely important for the rebuild. And I don't think it's something that you want to separate. I just don't see why it's necessary at this point. You don't really care about winning games. Clearly, every time that you separate them, there's there's an impact somewhere in the lineup but it's it's not making you win so if if the point is trying to win it doesn't make any sense if there's another point that that I'm missing please let me know what what is it that you're trying to accomplish because I don't understand why separating those two at this point makes any sense I frankly don't understand why even taking doc off that line makes any sense if you don't have another viable option for the other wing let doc keep playing there you have other prospects that are going to be coming up next season that can maybe play center. Like, we're in a rebuild. 
right? If he's a if he's a winger, then let him be a winger. So far, the best results have been with him at the wing. Clearly, he can play center. Uh, most of the lines that you put him on, every time they move him off that line, he tends to work at center. It, again, it was their best line of the night. Their best line of the night was Mike Hoffman with Kirby Doc and Cole Coffin. Not a line that anybody was putting together in their heads. And somehow, it's their best line. I don't know. Go figure. Um, Kirby Doc is obviously a heck of a hockey player. Um, I would like to see more of him running his own line but i just don't think now's the time i think you got to keep that line together let them get their production down and maybe next year you get to move away from it uh, when you have other options i don't know i don't know it just seems weird to me it's not working i'll tell you what is working though uh jake allen man that game could have been ugly without goaltending again you know uh, the habs have had too many games this season where goaltending has stolen points for them at least this time, Jake Allen was not able to steal the points. That maybe teaches them a bit of a lesson. <laughs> like, you have to play 60 minutes. You have to really play against some teams in this league. And if you don't, well, what happens is you lose. Sometimes you need that lesson in a rebuild to, to like learn how not to play in order to play yourself out of a win. I mean, they, they had two... You know, one early goal, two reasonably early goals, if you look at the context of when all of the goals in this game were scored, um, you should win that game. If you have a 2-0 lead, 2-0 lead, again, as the old adage goes, is the worst lead in hockey. But if you get a two-goal lead, you should be able to either add to it or close the thing out. Not give two back and then give back another one and then another one after that with an empty net. And go home empty-handed. I mean, weak effort. Weak effort. If you compare the first period to the second two periods, I felt like, personally, I felt like they were way better in the first 20 than they were in the second 40. Um, You you just can't do that in the NHL. And hopefully this is a lesson for them. Um, Back to the silver lining. Again, the bottom six, I felt, proved for once that they can contribute when they get opportunities. Uh, I just think that the Habs are never going to have any real success until they figure out their top six, until they have it down-packed to a point where it's not arguable who is on line one, line two. Stop toying with it. All all of the line blendering that they're doing right now, it serves only to create some temporary results in a certain game. It doesn't actually foster long-term success keep things together right keep that top line together figure out a second line until sean monahan is back that actually works and stick with that too stop moving everybody around it's not helping i don't know that's my take from that particular game we'll see what happens next game maybe i have a different take i'm gonna cut this off now because i'm low on sleep and low on patience when it comes to the montreal canadians um i'm tired but we will soldier on. Um, we are running what? 16 minutes? About 16 minutes. So, uh, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.